True Crime South Africa is published in conjunction with Arena Holdings, publishers of Times Live, Business Live, Sowetan Live and others. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Arena Holdings and its affiliates. The following episode may contain sensitive material including descriptions of violence, sexual assault or graphic descriptions of injuries to victims. If you feel you may be triggered by such material, please consider this before accessing our content. To access trauma counselling or services, please see the helpline information on our show notes. Welcome to True Crime South Africa. I'm Nicole Engelbrecht, and you're listening to a Spotlight Minisode, in which we discuss cases that are in the news at the moment and related topics. This episode is sponsored by the exhilarating new movie, Midnight in the Switchgrass. And let me tell you, true crime fans, this movie is for you. Two FBI agents cross paths with Crawford, a Florida cop who's investigating a string of murders that appear to be related. When an undercover sting goes horribly wrong, Crawford soon finds himself in a twisted game of cat and mouse with the killer. The movie stars Emile Hirsch, Megan Fox, Bruce Willis and Colson Baker, also known as Machine Gun Kelly, and it looks seriously good. True crime fans will be pleased to hear that the movie is inspired by the real-life crimes of serial killer Robert Benjamin Rhodes, who is believed to have killed more than 50 women at truck stops across America. Midnight in the Switchgrass is being released today, the 29th of October, in cinemas across the country. And if you enter the giveaway for three sets of double tickets to watch the show, the wait is finally over. The winners of our giveaway competition are... Etienne Ferreira, Shannon Lee Hardenberg, and Angelique Lowe. Congratulations to the three lucky winners. And if you didn't win... Be sure to get your tickets to watch Midnight in the Switchgrass today. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to thank our new Patreon supporters. A huge thank you goes out to Lucy, Teresa Edge, and Melissa Ziegers for your support on Patreon, as well as Carla De Silva and Tion Conradi for your support on PayPal. Thank you so much, everyone. Your support really does make a huge difference. If you'd like to support the show on Patreon or PayPal, I'll leave a link in the show notes. There are now additional ways that you can support the show, with two online businesses providing 10% discounts when you use the code TCSA10. You can get your health and beauty needs at King Online, and you can get all your printing requirements designed, printed, and delivered by PrintCrowd. You can also help to support me as an individual creator by checking out the companion podcast I created with Showmax for the Devil's Dorp documentary, or by purchasing the Krugersdorp Cult Killings audiobook on Audible, Google Play Books, or Apple Books. As always, any form of support is greatly appreciated, and it doesn't have to be financial. Sharing of episodes, inviting your friends and family to listen, and interacting on social media all go a long way to keeping the show growing and improving. You can also leave a review on the podcast app you use to listen. 
If your podcast platform does not have that option, a Google or Facebook review is equally helpful. Last week, an incident occurred in Polokwane that is probably every parent's worst nightmare. Four brothers, Zidane, six, Zayed, 11, Alan, 13, and Zia, 15, were on their way to school when seven men dressed in white overalls forced them out of the BMW they were travelling in, leaving their driver behind. The driver was not harmed, and the children's cell phones were left in a nearby felt. The execution of the kidnapping was so organised that it left no doubt that the boys had become victims of a kidnapping for ransom or extortion scheme. The boy's father is Nazim Moti. He is the owner of Auto Moti, a successful car dealership in Polokwane, as well as several other successful businesses. The man who's been in business for more than 25 years is a prominent businessman and a community figure in the area. According to the Sunday Times, the Moti family is one of the five wealthiest families living in Polokwane. Naturally, the kidnapping of four young children horrified South Africa, and the nation has waited with bated breath, along with the parents, for news of a ransom demand. The information that has been released to the public about this case is minimal, and there is a very good reason for that. In almost all cases of kidnapping for ransom, the perpetrators will tell the parents not to involve the police or the media. In this case, social media caught wind of the case very soon after it happened, and the news media started to carry the story within hours. It stands to reason, though, that police would now try to limit the amount of details that get into the public domain, because they're not dealing with a deranged paedophile who's abducted a child for nefarious purposes. They're dealing with highly trained and skilled criminals who are not going to take kindly to massive media exposure and will use any information released to their advantage. Although this case is horrifying enough, considering it involves four young children who must be utterly confused and terrified, It's actually not the first time this has happened, and there are currently several open cases of this nature in South Africa involving adult kidnapping victims. In a News 24 article, Nicole Elliott, a risk analyst who specialises in kidnapping, ransom, extortion and related security threats, said that there has been a rise in financially motivated kidnapping since 2015. Elliot said that although a ransom demand has not been made public, considering these circumstances, she believes that the Moti brothers have either been kidnapped for financial gain or to resolve an ongoing business dispute. Another expert, Lizette Lancaster, who is the Crime Hub Manager for the Institute of Security Studies, said that until a demand was made, any assumptions as to motive would be pure speculation, but it seemed likely that the motive is financial in some way. When asked if she felt that South African police were equipped to deal with organised crimes of this nature, she said that many of these situations have been successfully resolved in the past by the SAPS, 
But as these cases start to increase in number and frequency, police resources may start to become stretched. Nicole Elliott says that the parents did the right thing to involve the police, as it is very difficult for untrained people to successfully negotiate with criminals of this nature and secure the safe release of victims. It's important to note that in cases like this, the criminals are already prepared to hold the victims for long periods of time. Planning for a crime like this starts months in advance of the act itself, and it's unlikely to be resolved in just a few days. The perpetrators are well aware that it will take time to liquidate the type of money they will undoubtedly be asking for, so they will already have several safe locations set up to hold victims in. Lizette Lancaster also underpinned the importance of not releasing information in cases like this. She said that these are highly trained professional criminals, and they will be constantly tracking the internet for any mention of their crime. Their arrest may well lead to the exposure of their bosses and other associates, so if they get the feeling that cops are close to them, there's a very good chance they may get spooked and abort the plan. The children will be at major risk at that point. In other similar crimes, perpetrators have often moved victims to other provinces and even into neighbouring countries to hide them while their plan unfolds. While kidnapping for ransom is big business in some other countries, it has only quite recently become a major problem in South Africa. In early October this year, police said that their intelligence shows that large multinational organised crime syndicates are behind the kidnappings the country has been seeing. For the most part, the cases we've seen recently have all been of wealthy businessmen and women, and often several million rand is demanded as ransom for the safe return of the victim. In a television interview, private investigator Mike Ballhays claimed that in one case he was aware of, a hundred million rand ransom was paid for the return of one victim. In early October, a Durban businessman was kidnapped and the gang holding him demanded 10 million rand for his safe return. In that case, police tracked the criminals and successfully arrested them and recovered the victim in Bloemfontein. In another case resolved by police, Durban businesswoman Sandra Munsami was kidnapped and held for six months before police eventually tracked the gang that had taken her to a house in Impumalanga. In 2019, Mohammed Noor Karim, the owner of Giant Sweets and Sweets for Africa, was kidnapped in Epping in the Western Cape. He remains missing to this day, despite claims that a 20 million rand ransom was paid. In the same week that the Moti boys were kidnapped, a Chinese national was taken by a gang armed with AK-47s in Bessonia, and Hussein Esak, a Johannesburg businessman, was kidnapped by three men in a red Toyota Corolla. An unnamed police source told the media that most often, the people in charge of these operations are not located in South Africa. They simply use locals as their people on the ground. Very often, 
The victims of kidnapping for ransom are actually citizens of other countries as well that are either here in SA for business or holiday, and these gangs track their movements and commit the kidnapping in a country where the victim has few resources and is possibly more at risk. Unfortunately, in many cases, families do not report these kidnappings to police for fear that the victims will be killed. So statistics on exactly how rife this crime is in South Africa are not accurate. When I interviewed Mark Shaw of the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime and author of Give Us More Guns, we briefly chatted about how at risk South Africa is for becoming overrun by organized crime. In many of the South American countries that the Global Initiative works in, Kidnapping for ransom has become an industry in its own right. It's entirely commonplace for well-off families to hire bodyguards to protect themselves and their children 24 hours a day. Of course, this has also become a major trend in African countries, where journalists, care workers and pretty much any foreigner could be kidnapped and held for a ransom demanded from the governments of their country of origin. With South Africa being the economic hub of Africa, and with it also being a major tourist destination, I don't think it's surprising that we're also now seeing this happening in our country. It was, unfortunately, inevitable. There are many forms of kidnapping for ransom, and the website for the Global Initiative for Transnational Organized Crime says that even the Somali pirate gangs who became so infamous in the last decade, have shifted their modus operandi from taking ships for its cargo to holding the ship and its crew hostage in exchange for ransoms. The practice garnered more than 400 million US dollars for pirates between 2009 and 2013. So this is big business. The Global Initiative says that in cases where foreign nationals are taken, the trend seems to be that kidnappers will take citizens of countries that have been known to pay ransoms in the past. Because, despite the insistence that governments do not negotiate in monetary terms for the return of hostages, there are many, many governments in the world that have and continue to pay ransoms for their citizens. And as much as there are tales of successful recovery, there are also tales of absolute horror when things go wrong. One of our neighbouring countries, Mozambique, has seen its own scourge of kidnap for ransom cases in the last few years. In October 2013, 13-year-old Abdul Rashid was kidnapped from his home in Mozambique. His kidnappers wanted one million US dollars, and later negotiated this down to 33,500 US dollars. Abdul's parents were in the process of getting the ransom together when police were made aware of the kidnapping. The kidnappers then got wind of this and decided that they weren't waiting for the police to track them down, and six days after Abdul was taken, his body was found 30 kilometers from his home. The child had been horrifically tortured and his limbs had been removed. It is important to keep in mind 
that kidnapping for ransom crimes are not all that far removed from other forms of organized crime and even terrorist groups. This is a form of income, just like drugs and human trafficking. Think about it like a group of companies. Each business runs its own service or product line, but they're all linked back to the group head. Organized crime is often exactly the same. Essentially, it's an illegal business diversifying its portfolio. So what is the antidote to this? Well, I think that we can see what is needed to stop the increase in these crimes by looking at the countries in which it has become popular and what their grassroots issues are that support these crimes. Almost overridingly, countries in which kidnapping for ransom has become rife have inept intelligence agencies and high levels of corruption. And unfortunately, South Africa's own intelligence agency has been in the spotlight for all the wrong reasons for quite some time. Our intelligence services have had to change and adapt to the agendas of politicians over the years. During apartheid, the primary goal was to stop insurgents against the regime and keep the majority under control. Post-1994, that agenda was adjusted, and it seems that with every presidency, the National Intelligence Agency has struggled to adapt. In the last few years, we have seen serious failings, most recently when violent looting broke out in KwaZulu-Natal and Johannesburg. We were caught napping, and although that is still under investigation, it would appear that factions within the intelligence agency had a role to play in suppressing information about the instigation to looting. Now, this is probably the most you've ever heard me talk about politics on True Crime South Africa before, and I promise I'm not going to make a habit of it. But today, four little boys are not home with their parents, and if their kidnappers are indeed part of an organized crime syndicate, national intelligence is a vital consideration in their safe return. Of course, Within the SAPS, the Directorate for Priority Crime Investigation, commonly known as the Hawks, are the team that would be directly responsible for investigating, combating and preventing crimes of this nature. The Hawks have had significant successes in the last few years, but really, it's difficult to tell just how deeply impacted their work would be by a floundering National Intelligence Service. According to criminologist Elio Zanoni, although anyone in any country could be at risk of falling victim to a kidnapping for ransom scheme, there are certain individuals, due to the nature of their activities and economic or political status, that are at higher risk. In some of the following scenarios, the risk of kidnapping may be far higher. Company executives and representatives traveling to countries known to have a high incidence of kidnapping. Executives and managers who have substantial amounts of cash or valuables under their control. Individuals or company executives or representatives who have a high financial profile and professional status, as well as members of their families. Children in particular are at risk in that they're usually easy to find, easy to snatch, 
and in most cases guarantee instant financial results for the kidnappers. Security personnel handling large amounts of cash or valuables. Due to their profile, the perceived wealth and operating locations in often high-risk areas, the following can be considered high-risk industries to be involved with and may put you or your family at risk of kidnapping for ransom schemes. Construction, energy, financial institutions, utilities and communications. Zanoni advises companies whose employees or their family may be at risk of kidnapping for ransom to take out insurance that covers such an eventuality and to take other measures to protect their employees, such as employing a risk assessment firm and maintaining up-to-date profiles of their employees and their families. For individuals, Zanoni recommends keeping travel itineraries private and confidential at all times. This means no blabbing about your travel plans on social media and no checking in at airports and hotels on Facebook. If you are high risk or in a country which is at high risk for kidnapping for ransom, try not to use public transport, rather have a hired vehicle or taxi available to you. Beware of people attempting to strike up casual friendships or relationships with you and avoid allowing people you've only just met to gain too much information about your personal life. If you have children, ensure that they are aware of the risk of trusting people they don't know or even allowing people they do know to move them around outside of their routine without your knowledge. I think that it's pretty important not to assume that you're not at risk for a kidnapping for ransom scheme. Just because you may not class yourself as wealthy does not mean someone else doesn't. The family that lost their son to kidnappers in Mozambique was actually just a working class foreign family. They did not have one million US dollars that the kidnappers were asking for initially and they had no way of getting it. I cannot even imagine how terrifying the last few days must have been for the Moti family. I really do hope that these kidnappers kept the boys together so that they can at least have that small comfort. Kidnapping is not a new crime, and although in the true crime community we are more attuned to abductions for sexual assault and murder, crimes such as the kidnapping of the Moti boys happen around us every single day. Although we all want to be helpful, it is important to remember that not every kidnapping case requires huge amounts of public attention. Yes, it is important for us to keep an eye out for the boys, and if anyone sees them, call the police immediately. But please do be careful about sharing unsubstantiated information on social media about imminent arrests or possible locations as you literally do not know who is looking at your comments and posts. And the last thing we want to do is put these boys at risk. And that is your Spotlight Minisode for the week. Before I go, I'd like to introduce you to a new true crime podcast. And this week, it's a South African true crime podcast. I'm so excited to see how the South African true crime podcast community is growing. 
And one of our newest additions is the podcast It's Happened Here, presented by Kate Thompson-Davey. The podcast is professionally presented and definitely one of my new favorites. Here's Kate to tell you about her show. Lee was abducted from campus. Notolo was walking home. Kevin had gone out to a meeting. Sheldine was playing in the garden. And Uyanene was in line at the post office. It Happened Here is a new true crime podcast that approaches everyone's favorite podcast genre from a journalistic and ethical perspective. One that tells victim stories and doesn't make heroes out of the monsters. It's an independent show researched and presented by me, Kate Thompson-Davey, a true crime nerd just like you. If you like your stories intersectional, your facts accurate, and your sarcasm dry, search for It Happened Here on your preferred podcast app. Once again, congratulations to all of our lucky winners of the Midnight in the Switchgrass competition. I do hope you enjoy your night out at the movies. If you enjoyed the Spotlight Minisode, please be sure to follow the show on the platform you're using to listen right now. You can also follow the show on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. I'll be back next Friday with a full episode. Until then, as always. Thank you for your support, and I'll chat to you soon. Bye.